Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Amanda Hoon. Amanda is a dietitian who specializes in PCOS and the non-diet approach. She helps women and gender diverse people combat their polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS using unique intuitive eating and hormone balancing nutrition approach so they can feel comfortable and confident in their body. Amanda is based in Melbourne, Australia, but works virtually with clients all over the globe. She is the creator of the PCOS Body Freedom Program, which is a six-month one-on-one and group program and a self-paced course that empowers people with PCOS to become empowered sisters and intuitive eaters. In this episode, Amanda goes through what PCOS is and how to better understand it. We discuss the common misconceptions surrounding PCOS, including treatment myths and what to do instead. We also discuss common misconceptions about PCOS and fertility, which is probably one of the most I see with women diagnosed with PCOS. But Amanda is here to tell you why a PCOS diagnosis does not mean an infertility diagnosis. It's important to know that so many women living with PCOS don't even realize they have it or are diagnosed late. The signs and symptoms Amanda goes over are ones we should all be aware of and know when to advocate for ourselves to our health professionals if we're feeling something's off. You may even want to get a notepad out for this episode. Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on and honestly discuss everything PCOS, which any listeners, if you don't know what that is, we will get into it. Um, but I'd love to know a little bit more just about your story and how and why you became such an expert in people, you know, helping people just understand polycystic ovarian syndrome and have really become a pioneer for it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast, Kate. Um, I'm super excited to talk about PCOS as well, because clearly it's something I'm passionate about. And I feel there is so much um, misinformation and misconceptions out there about PCOS that is actually leading to more harm than health. So basically how I got into this space is one of my best friends was actually diagnosed with PCOS. And when she told me that when she got went to the doctor, the treatment was basically, you know, take this pill, lose weight, and then come back when you want, want to get pregnant. There's nothing else you can do. How disempowering and dismissive. When she was like, I'm constantly fatigued, this acne is killing me, my periods are irregular, what can I do about it? I want to do something about it now. Doctor's like, mm, there's not much you can do, just that, that's it. These three options, that's it. And when I started looking into it, I heard more and more stories like this and even worse stories, stories of doctors prescribing way under um a diet with really low calories or ketogenic diets or intermittent fasting or uh, a lot of fat shaming as well, which we just, we know is not good for anyone's health. And so that's really what fueled my fire to really specialize in PCOS and take a non-diet approach with it as well. Uh, which is so needed in this space. You know, we need to be empowering people with PCOS to understand that they can take control of their health right now. They can do things, they can develop sustainable, healthy habits 
to manage their symptoms and prevent or reduce the risk of future complications, to empower them to advocate for themselves in in the healthcare setting, but also just in their their environment as well. Um, And to just feel more comfortable and um, at home with their bodies rather than constantly feeling like their uh, bodies are working against them. So yes, a lot of fuel on my fire. And the more I work in this space, uh, the more it gets, that flame gets bigger. Yeah, no, that's a great way of putting it. Cause I do find clients who I've worked with, with PCOS, they do feel like they're constantly in battle with their own bodies. So I'd love for you, Amanda, for anyone listening that doesn't know what polycystic ovarian syndrome is or PCOS, what it is, and then what are some signs and symptoms? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is a hormone imbalance condition, which is something a lot of people aren't Hold or and they don't know, which is crazy. Um, and so the way to get diagnosed is you have to have at least two out of three of the following symptoms. So that's um, what looks like cysts on the ovaries, but really they're just immature follicles. The second is uh, clinical signs or um, uh, blood, um, blood marker signs of high androgen levels. So androgens are male hormones. And the third is irregular or missing periods. So having two out of three of those uh, signs gets you along the way of the PCOS diagnosis, but then they have to also exclude some other um, conditions such as, um, such as pregnancy, congenital hyperplasia, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why the diagnosis process can take a little bit of time um, but it is so worth it when you get diagnosed and you actually understand what's going on um, with your body. In terms of the symptoms, uh, PCOS symptoms are so widespread and it's very individual to each person um, because hormones, hormones just have a knock-on effect. When one hormone is out of balance, they'll throw another one out of balance, another one out of balance. And our hormones actually affect so many different systems in our body. So you can get symptoms from um, what I was talking about, the high androgens, which is excess hair growth, hair loss, um, and acne, to constant fatigue, you know, waking up in the morning and after eight, 10 hours of sleep and still not feeling refreshed. Um, Weight gain is a really common one around the abdominals and around the hips. Um, lightheadedness, dizziness, um, high stress levels, poor sleep, insomnia, the the list goes on honestly and it really depends on what your root cause is uh, that usually determines um, the kind of symptoms that you typically see. Yeah, no, and it's, I think it's important, we were actually touching on it before um, we came on, but there's a lot of times too, where people are experiencing these symptoms and going years without a diagnosis or just not going to the doctor because they think it's normal that they're tired because they had, you know, they've had a busy week and they think it's normal to have missing irregular or really painful periods. And this just goes back to, we, you know, we promote a lot on the podcast of advocating for yourself and being, you know, being your own detective for your own body, when things aren't feeling right, you have to voice that concern. And even, you know, unfortunately, sometimes 
which we've talked about, our healthcare system can fail us. And even if you advocate for yourself and you're not getting the response you're looking for, continue to advocate for yourself because to me, PCOS is one of the one of the one conditions that can go undiagnosed for a very long time, which is not so good for us. Um, and I'm curious for anyone listening that either has PCOS or now maybe questioning if they should go see the doctor, what are your top three PCOS treatments um, and treatment myths and what you should really be doing instead? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so yes, uh, I definitely agree with you that it often gets um, um, underdiagnosed or yeah. not diagnosed for a long time, which is really unfortunate. A women's health based issue that's very, very common. Um, in terms of the treatment myths, oh, where do I start? <laughs> uh, I think the biggest myth is that you just need to lose weight. That frustrates me so much uh, because people with PCOS, one of the symptoms is that you gain weight, right? That your body, the hormone imbalances lead to weight gain. And then you have uh, a lot of doctors and other people who are telling people with PCOS to just lose weight because one, for the general public, that it's that easy. But then two, with a a, a hormonal condition that is doing the opposite of that, uh, it just makes no sense. And that's why people with PCOS uh, are at higher likelihood of developing disordered eating and eating disorders um, because, you know, they gain weight, their doctor tells them to lose weight, they're already trying, they're eating less, they're moving more, and the doctor's like, yeah, eat less calories, clearly, clearly you're not doing enough. Um, so just try harder. And there's that dismissive response again, the um, not feeling heard, the fat shaming. Um, so this is just one of the most harmful, um, one of the most harmful treatment advice. And unfortunately, one of the most common as well, it is within all the guidelines for um, the general practitioners and um, primary care pra- practitioners And it's honestly just unbelievable how uh, not up-to-date and unaware um, our institutions are in this space still. So just lose weight is one of them. Uh, Really, yes, that just leads to more disordered eating and and eating disorders. And so what you need to do instead is, and I touched on it before, but actually find out what your root cause is. So this is the number one essential step for every person with PCOS to really understand what's going on with their PCOS and in their body. Uh, Because the root causes, there are four main ones and then there's some minor ones as well. So the first one is insulin resistance, which 70% of people with PCOS have insulin resistance and one of the main causes of weight gain as well. Um, So there's a high likelihood that you have insulin resistance if you have PCOS. So definitely need to check that out. Inflammation is the other one. Most people with PCOS have chronic low-grade inflammation as well anyway, but it could be your major root cause. The third is adrenal. So that's uh, to do with um, 
your adrenal glands um, a lot to do with stress and that could be mental stress chronic prolonged um, mental stress or or physical stress as well so under eating over exercising and the fourth is post pill so coming off the oral contraceptive pill can trigger hormone imbalances in some people and uh, qualify them for a diagnosis of PCOS and then there's um, kind of minor or supporting kind of root causes like thyroid condition, micronutrient deficiencies, prolactin, things like that. Um, so yes, finding out what your root cause is, is the most important step to then um, kind of direct your treatment uh, because mm-hmm. your treatment for adrenal root cause is going to be different for insulin resistance root cause. Um, so yes, that is the first treatment myth busted and corrected. <laughs> and is um, that Amanda something that most people, if they're diagnosed with PCOS, their doctor will be able to find out their root cause or? So you'd hope so, but yep. unfortunately it doesn't seem like doctors know much about PCOS and the root causes at all. Um, It seems, I mean, being compassionate, they have a lot of uh, different conditions to know how to diagnose and know how to treat, and they are trained in medications, right? So their first line of treatment is always going to be medications or usually going to be medications. And then, of course, that's kind of lazy advice of just lose weight when they don't know what else to tell um, these people. Um, So... I, I wish it were. <laughs> yeah. This should be general knowledge, uh, but unfortunately it's not. And yeah. No, I was going to say, you know, I think this is where to also seeking out, you know, again, not helping people not feel discouraged if they're not finding an answer right away. But um, we've had some great functional RDs and MDs on the podcast. Mm. And you know, their background is to find out the root cause. That's usually their first line of defense. So Mm -hmm. it's always a great option to seek out, you know, we had a functional RD on here, Kristen DeAngelis, who's great, who does all, you know, adrenal fatigue and stress. And Mm -hmm. so there's, there are people out there to help is what I really want to say to everyone listening. Um, You just sometimes have to do a little extra digging, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very true what you say about the functional medicine and uh, functional health practitioners. I think it's the biggest thing in the States than in Australia where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only starting to pop up, I'm noticing here. Um, but yes, the functional medicine I'm su- makes me super interested because they do look at the root cause and they really do, um, yeah, compared to conventional medicine, they really do, you know, not just look and try to treat the symptoms, but really look at what is going on. Um, so yes, absolutely. And that's, that's um, basically this, this whole approach, the root cause approach of PCOS. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, Amanda, what are your thoughts on, you know, different protocols being to avoid gluten or avoid dairy um, or any, you know, any of those I mean, there's some science behind each, right? But it's what works for each person. And again, does it depend on your root cause or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. So that is a big one, the uh, going gluten and and dairy free. So 
yeah, in terms of the science for PCOS in general, there's not a lot of it and it is very uh, new still. The A lot of the research are very short-term as, as well, so we don't actually see long-term um, outcomes or implications. What I found in clinical practice is that it is very individualised. Um, I found more so that people are lactose intolerant than dairy intolerant or um, um, usually people have an allergy to dairy and then uh, um, an intolerance to, to lactose, right? So I found that most people who think that they're uh, dairy intolerant are actually just lactose intolerant. Um, and in terms of gluten, yeah, it's a very hit and miss. I haven't found any kind of consistent, um, you know, links between gluten and, and PCOS. Um, I find that it's more so people with the inflammatory root cause mm-hmm. that tend to have issues or trigger foods um, that can cause um Things like IBS, which is really common in PCOS as well. I want to pull out the stats. Um, around 30% of people with PCOS have IBS as well. So definitely, um, and, and definitely in the root cause, um, in, in the root cause, in the inflammation root cause, um, it's really, really common. Yeah. And that's where it would be appropriate to at least try taking out gluten and see how people react. And I think one thing to point out too, is if you don't have celiacs or you don't have like an allergy to dairy or things like that is you don't want to always pull it out and pull it out forever because Mm. that's also not good for your body, Mm -hmm. but just having it in lower doses and at smaller times, but it can be good for a few weeks at a time to pull it out and see how your body responds, but then slowly introduce it back in, you know, in smaller increments. So everyone know too, it's not that you have to take it out completely, unless of course you do have celiac disease Mm -hmm. or you have an allergy um, to dairy as well. Let's talk a little bit about fertility and PCOS because Mm -hmm. this is, I mean, to me, this is like a huge part of one where women have fear around PCOS, especially when they get diagnosed and they think I will never be able to have children. I know many, many women who have multiple children with PCOS. So mm-hmm. let's just, you know, if you can just break it down for us, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've experienced the exact same people with PCOS, um, are quite fearful that they, aren't able to have children in the future, which is absolutely incorrect. Um, People with PCOS, um, the research has shown that they can have as many children as people without PCOS. It's just sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to get there because of the missing periods or the anovulatory um, cycles, which is when you don't ovulate in your cycle, which is the key to fertility, to conception. Um, so there is that common misconception, another one. And again, I think it's just a lot of, um, uh, misinformation from the internet, from doctors and things like that. Um, so the key aspect I, I want to point out is that 
You're good. We can edit it out, Amanda. Get your get your thoughts together. It's all good. So the anovulation in PCOS is um, commonly due to high androgen levels, so the high male hormones that we were talking about. And so, again, it's just going back to that root cause that leads to the high androgens, that leads to delayed, um, delayed ovulation because that follicle isn't growing. Um, I don't know if this is getting too technical, um, but the delay in ovulation leads to high luteinizing hormone, which is where our menstrual um, cycle starts in our brain. Um, and then it goes through that cycle again. So high luteinizing hormone leads to high androgens and it's a bit of a vicious cycle that way. And so the first line of treatment, and for me in particular, I don't um, work with people with PCOS who want to get um, who want to focus on fertility immediately. I'm more looking at uh, working with people with PCOS for six months to develop their sustainable healthy habits, to regulate their cycles naturally. So in the future, if they do want to get pregnant, they're able to do so easily rather than going through the, the whole um, frustration of not understanding why um, they can't get pregnant, why their cycles aren't regular um, and having to go straight into um, medications or IVF or anything like that. So I, I really do like to take that more holistic and natural approach. Um, and that starts from, again, that root cause, balancing those hormones so that that whole cycle gets broken um, and all the, the hormones um, in each of those steps are balanced so that naturally they're getting regular cycles and they know when they're ovulating. So that when they do want to get pregnant, they know uh, when and, and um yeah, when to to go for it. Yeah, you're you're preparing their bodies, right? Which like we all need to I think for a lot of women especially if you get to a point in your life where like I'm ready to have a baby. It's like, you know, we think we can just snap our fingers and it should happen. And we also put mm -hmm. that pressure on ourselves. But there's lots of steps that you need to take first and you want mm -hmm. to take that time to get your body ready, you know, to get on a, you know, even if it's just getting on a prenatal, but then if you're dealing with some, you know, conditions like PCOS, you need to like really prepare your body for pregnancy. So I love that. That's mm -hmm. what you're focusing on first and not so much taking on people that are just like, I want to get pregnant now. Why isn't this happening? Because yeah. it's a, it's a journey with it for sure. And that's how you will be the most successful. Um, yeah. I'm Absolutely. curious, Amanda, if there's, you know, we talked about finding out your root causes being like the number one thing you should do if diagnosed with PCOS, what are some other tips or things you do with clients? I know a lot of it's individualized, but generally speaking. To find the root cause or just in, in, in treatment, um, with PCOS. Yeah. Are there any other things people can do like once they find their root cause or along with finding their root cause? Yeah. So there's so many things. Um, <laughs> so 
Uh, one other major thing that I want to say with the root cause is looking at your micronutrients. So um, a lot of people with PCOS are deficient in vitamin D, which is a vitamin, but also a hormone. So when you're deficient, um, again, it has that knock on effect um, with all the, all the other hormones. It also, vitamin D is also um, plays a huge role in our mental health as well. So um, again, a lot of people with PCOS have anxiety and depression. That's another really common uh, symptom. And um, low vitamin D plays a huge role in that. So I am honestly very surprised when any of my clients uh, aren't deficient in vitamin D because it is just so, so, so common. Um, so that's just one thing that I do want to point out. Um, in terms of other treatment things, so... Um, we go through basically all the healthy habits, so um, nutrition, movement, sleep quality, stress management, um, things regarding how to reduce inflammation, um, how to improve your gut health, um, and then the, going into the non-diet things, you know, intuitive eating, uh, body acceptance is a huge one, um, especially for people with PCOS who are generally, generally in larger bodies. Um, and we have this societal pressure that, you know, we need to be in a thin body to be healthy, right? And that's a common narrative um, in the medical system, but then there's the societal system, um, societal pressure of you need to be in a smaller body to feel, to be worthy, um, or to to be sexy or to be uh, treated as a human being. Oh, the stories I've heard. Um, yeah, so body acceptance is a is a huge one um, as well. Are there any of those that you want to dive into? Yeah, well, I'm just thinking. Even I think it's important to note for anyone listening. You know, hormones can be good for us, right. In so many ways, but they can also not be our friend and knowing too, that a lot of the times, it, especially with PCOS in general, the weight gain is just from the hormone imbalances. You know, it's not, it does not mean you're unhealthy. You can be eating the best diet, right. Or, you know, which, what is that anyways, but you can be eating really well and still be seeing weight gain and weight gain consistently, unfortunately, or just not being able, you know, we have this idea that we should, you know, be at the body we were in high school or college. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have to just accept too, that like our bodies evolve and especially with how things change. So I'm curious, actually, Amanda, too, for anyone listening, are there any like ways to prevent PCOS from coming on? Obviously, right. Like we want to try and have a lower inflammatory diet, right. Avoiding stress and kind of like that adrenal fatigue, right. Which would also be like burnout, um, which people don't think about that when they're going through those things that it could actually lead to something else. Um, mm -hmm. But are there any, are there any prevention tips that you have? Mm, yeah. Um, I do just want to um, put a star note here and, and tell anyone with PCOS, it is not your fault. You didn't cause your PCOS, your weight, yeah. your eating habits, your anything that you did, you didn't cause your PCOS. 
So if anyone has told you differently, I'm sorry. And, you know, just, just let them go. <laughs> um, but in terms of how you can prevent PCOS, to be honest, we're not even quite sure of the causes of PCOS, right? We know that, that there's a strong genetic link. Um, so, you know, sometimes you can't even do anything to prevent it. It, is, it just takes its natural course. Um, and then we know that it's a mismatch between your genes and the current environment. So it's thought that, and this is just one theory, that PCOS is an ancient disease, ancient disease, yes, um, where when we were in the hunter-gatherer era, you know, storing weight and, and um, yeah, storing weight was beneficial because we'd go through long periods of famine. So our, body would need, our bodies would need to take energy from somewhere. Um, and so, you know, having insulin resistance, being able to put on weight and not being fertile all the time was beneficial. Come now into our day and, day and age, uh, it's, it's not so beneficial. It, it leads and it manifests into all these really annoying symptoms and um, in, and throwing into that kind of more modern lifestyle where everything is abundant and, uh, and available. Um, the genetic and the environment match up just isn't quite right. Um, so it's thought that um, that's kind of, you know, how PCOS has evolved. Um, in terms of what you can do to prevent it, you know, we can say, you know, um, don't, don't be stressed or uh, reduce your inflammation or, um, you know, try not to develop insulin resistance. But how can you just control for all of that um, all the time, right? You still have to live a normal life uh, without being this hypochondriac, this con constant, in this constant fear of, of not developing this condition. I think the more important thing is that if you have any genetic, genetic links with PCOS, so if your, your mom, your sister, your auntie, your cousin has PCOS, then just look out for the signs and symptoms yourself. Um, because I think it's if your sister or your mom has PCOS, you're 50% more likely to have PCOS yourself. So getting that uh, diagnosis early is really, really key and getting started on your treatment early is really, really key on improving your outcomes in the long term. Even so, you may not... Um, you know, completely prevents your, your uh, future risk of health complications, but at least you can, you know, somewhat, you know, do what you can and significantly reduce your risk. Um, yeah. And, and be, and be proactive about it, which I think is, is um, another thing that our conventional health system lacks. No, I love that. Just being more aware, right. Of the signs and symptoms, if you know, it runs in your family, and then getting, you know, treatment early, right. And getting connected with, um, a dietitian or a doctor who can help you early on. Yeah. Are there any misconceptions, Amanda, that we haven't touched on surrounding PCOS that you want to talk about? 
Yeah, the another big one that I always talk about is that you know the uh, one of the really common things and one of um, the the treatments my doctor uh, not my doctor sorry my friend my best friend's doctor gave her was you know there's nothing that you can do about it now you just come back when you get when, when to get pregnant right and and I hear this from my clients <laughs> yeah <laughs> a bit un- unbelievable because all we're good for is to pop out babies <laughs> um so yes, and I've heard so many of my clients say this as well, and it's just so dismissive. And they're like, "I am currently here, miserable in my body because something is not right." But you are looking at my labs, and it all looks within normal range. And you're saying there's nothing, there's nothing that I can do. The labs look normal, so go off on your merry way, and you know, don't come back until you you want to pop out babies unbelievable honestly and I want to tell people with PCOS there are things that you can do you know you're not helpless you don't have to live with this you don't have to live in your misery feeling disconnected and disempowered and dismissed and just feeling like there's nothing that you can do um there is well, so much and, that you can yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and like we were talking about earlier, Amanda, was it doesn't matter if you're not ready to have a baby now. You want to prepare your body and get your body in a good place. So when you do, it can, you know, you're you're already in that place versus, you know, it's terrible that doctors are saying that because you don't want to be back with that pressure, which also there's the added Mm -hmm. stress, which does not help with PCOS. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, it's disheartening, but it's, I hope we're encouraging everyone to know that there are many things you can do in the meantime. And also having a PCOS diagnosis does not mean an infertility diagnosis by any means. Um, well, Amanda, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, we love to wrap up every, episode with a little rapid fire Q and a. So first thing that comes to mind, Mm -hmm. what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? De-stressing practice. I would say taking a bath is a part of my Sunday ritual and is just the best thing. I love that. Uh, coffee or tea? Oh, sauce. (laughs) (laughs) um what about your favorite home-cooked meal oh that's that's a difficult one I want to say a potato in leek gratin with lots of peas and some truffle oil just sprinkled around there Oh my gosh. That sounds so good. I love, I, you know what, Amanda, I'm such a sucker for leeks and they're so good for mm-hmm. your gut, but, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds so good. Like even like a potato leek soup too. Oh my gosh. But you <laughs> add the truffle oil on top and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, potato amazing. and leek. I just, just go hand in hand. Such a good mm-hmm. pairing. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much, Amanda. Can you please tell people where they can work with you, find you, connect with you and just learn more about PCOS? Yeah, of course. So 
Uh, people can find me on social media platforms. Uh, my handle is pcus.freedom.dietitian. Um, lots of credible information there about PCUS that you may not have been told before. Um, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok, um, also Facebook. And uh, my website is also the divingdietitian.com um, if anyone wants to um, learn more about PCOS and seek out my services, I offer a six-month one-on-one and group program, which I just want to add in in there. I love the group aspect in, in, in my program because, you know, people with PCOS, they feel so alone in their experience. So to be in a little community of, of people who understand what you're going through, who have had similar experiences, similar medical or fat phobia traumas um, and are going through the same uh, kind of journey, you know, developing these healthy habits, struggling through developing healthy habits, which is absolutely normal. So it it's, uh, helps with finding that self-compassion. Um, so the group aspect, I just, I love so much, uh, for especially for people with PCOS. Um, so I offer that, that's PCOS Body Freedom. And then I also offer a course for PCOS Body Freedom as well for people who just want to take it at their own pace um, and maybe eventually want to join the group and one-on-one later. I love that. So many options. And I'm, I am with you on the group aspect. It's just extra support and it's your own little community. Well, thanks so much, Amanda. I'm so glad we could connect, especially with you in Australia, um, and that we could find a time. Um, but yeah, hopefully we will connect soon. Yeah, absolutely. It's been my pleasure, Kate. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Amanda continued to voice something our guests and myself talk about often, which is to find out the root cause of your symptoms and to treat that first in order to heal your body. I can't stress this enough. Don't just manage your symptoms for short-term relief. Manage the root cause of the issue for long-term relief. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.